Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the How to Sleep podcast. In this episode, I'm inviting you to think about whether your bedroom really is serving its purpose and being effective in supporting your sleep, or it's not in fact functioning as a bedroom at all. Welcome to the How to Sleep podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Blakeman, qualified adult sleep coach, a previous sufferer of insomnia and mum of three. I believe that sleep is fundamental to your enjoyment of the life you have worked so hard to create and I support adults like you who are struggling to sleep to get back to sleep and back to living your life in full colour and with maximum energy. This podcast is for you if you are taking ages to get to sleep or waking in the night and can't get back to sleep or both. Keep listening to find out how sleep works, the essential elements you need to get the sleep you deserve and actionable steps that you can take. This week I wanted to talk to you about how to view your bedroom in order to make sure that it becomes a key part of your efforts to fix your sleep issue. And the word bedroom I think probably adds to the potential problem with this because if we're not careful our bedroom simply gets reduced to being a room which happens to have a bed in it as if all that's all that's necessary for us to be able to go to sleep easily um, and it to function as a bedroom it's easy to think that any room in it with has a bed in it will do but that might not be enough if you've got a sleep issue and that's because when we go to sleep we're really vulnerable and that means we have to feel like it's a safe enough place for us to be vulnerable in and it needs to be relaxing and cozy so that we'll go into a state of deep relaxation because that's a precursor to going to sleep And in particular, I wanted you to think about your room this week from the angle of whether or not it enables you to get some distance away from the activity and the everyday stresses in your life. And I was looking at the cats this week because we've just adopted some more rescue kittens and they're fascinating to watch, especially when they're asleep because obviously they look ridiculously cute. But I really noticed how quickly they started to use their environment and, you know, designate different spaces for different activities. And in particular, to sort of designate their rest areas and their sleep spaces really quickly. So they're choosing often elevated spaces or hidden spaces, and they're almost always at the edges or in the corners of the room. And then I started to think about our our existing cats, our older cats, And they prefer elevated or or hidden spaces as well. And they normally try and sleep upstairs in the daytime, for example, because all the activity in the house is going on downstairs. And And they want to be away from it. And I have one cat who loves to try and jump into the wardrobes and sleep behind the clothes. And that's probably because it's a sort of perfect mix of being elevated and hidden. And loads of other animals obviously have similar behaviours. And so I feel like humans are no exception. So to bring this point back to your bedroom, when you go into that room, does it feel like you're stepping out of all the other parts of the house where all the major activity goes on? Do you get that feeling when you walk in the room? Does it feel like you're stepping into that place of quiet and peace and safety away from it all? Or is your bedroom just just another room in the house and 
all of the daytime activity kind of intrudes on it. So what do you do in there in the daytime? Do you do you sort laundry in there? Do you have a desk in your room? Have the kids' toys kind of crept in and they're all over the floor? Have you set up a weights bench in there or is your Peloton in there? Because psychologists think that having items in your room can influence how you subconsciously view that room. And there's something else to consider too. What kind of conversations do you have in the room? So if you share a room with your partner, for example, do you go to bed and you're discussing major topics like serious life topics? So do you start discussing that dilemma with the kids or your finances or the logistics of who's doing what at the weekend? And you're trying to sort of, oh yeah, we have to do this and we have to go there. Or, you know, anything else that's a kind of really active conversation. And it, and it, again, this sort of makes me think that um, when you're kind of a, a, a newer couple, you tend to have kind of like daydreamy conversations in the evening. It's all kind of like, oh, we're just kind of talking hypothetically or we're talking about the future or we're discussing something in abstract. Whereas as you get busier and life gets fuller, every conversation seems to have some um, element of practicality or activity or logistics to it. And, and then and then it becomes like there's no boundaries over when and where those conversations can take place. And active conversations require mental concentration and they're definitely capable of triggering emotions. And that's not great. And the thing is, when you make memories, your body stores all the pertinent information from the memory, including where you were at the time. So when you have an argument or a conversation that generates emotion, then your brain is capable of storing that memory and anchoring it to that place and remembering that as an association. Another related thing is perhaps you've got a TV in your room and you like to watch crime drama or psychological thrillers. And whether you consciously enjoy watching them or not, your subconscious mind is still taking it all in. So if you feel scared watching something... Even if you enjoy that sensation of being, you know, on the edge of your seat, you're not sure what's going to happen next. It can still be generating the stress response subconsciously. And then, you know, that's potentially creating associations that you don't want. And the final example that comes to mind for me is, you know, taking calls. Do you use your bedroom as a place to go for some quiet space to take phone calls? maybe work calls if you don't have a designated office or calls to your sister when she wants to talk about her life problems, you know, and you're feeling worried for her and you're thinking, how can I help? All these things, all these things are not great for bedroom activities if you, if you want to try and separate out your bedroom from your everyday life. So your action step for this week, think about your room, go into your room really be honest is it really a bedroom is it really separate from the rest of the house is it separate from your active life is it quiet peaceful calming when you go in there do you feel like that it's that place away from it all or has it just simply become a room which happens to have a bed in it all right have a good week and thanks for listening thank you for listening i hope you found some value in today's episode If you did, and you know others who would benefit from hearing this information as well, then please share with them. And if you would be so kind as to leave a positive review of the podcast, this will support me in my mission to spread the message of sleep as wide as possible. Thank you so much. 
If you can't wait until the next episode and you want more guidance right now, then head on over to my website and get access to my free sleep resources. Link in the show notes. Or follow me on Instagram at Nikki.Blakeman. Wishing you a peaceful night's sleep.